You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I welcome to the Evan Roberts podcast, the New York Yankees season recap and postseason preview uh, I am joined by one of the biggest Yankee fans at the radio station. You hear him doing overnights. He's basically like the overnight guy now on the weekends, and that's Chris McMonigle, who you also hear with Maggie and Bard. Chris, thank you very much. I appreciate you doing this with me. Oh, no problem. I just, you know, switched over studios, and now I'm in the, you know, the morning show studio, and I'm ready to go. It's yes. nice and bright in here. It's woken me up a little bit. You were kind enough to do this after hosting a six, basically a six-hour radio show on WFAN. Right. So all by myself. So if you make any mistakes over the course of yes, the next hour, please. you already have a built-in excuse. Right. I appreciate that. You know, I, this is something that I always, I understand, but I don't understand. I'm a Met fan, obviously, and... Every Met season, I remember, I can define it, and it isn't defined by what necessarily happens in October. I mean, obviously, you go to the World Series in Mm -hmm. 2015, I think of the Mets going to the World Series in 2015, but the Mets can have seasons in which they don't make the playoffs, probably a lot like this season, where you say, okay, it wasn't a bad year. The Yankees are always defined by October, but this season feels different because you win 100-plus games in a year in which everybody gets hurt. So before anything happens in October, could this season be considered in your mind a success, fun, enjoyable, even if they get knocked out in the first round of the LCS? Um, I'll go with everything except success. I will go with fun, enjoyable, um, barring, even, uh, barring a sweep at the hands of the Minnesota Twins. I will probably be able at some point to look back on the season and think of it fondly, but I can't call it a success without, you know, I don't want to say championship because that's, you know, it's difficult. We can go back and be one of these kids, you know, let's say win the world series, you know, but if they take, if they, if they beat the twins and they go to a hard fought game seven to against the Astros and lose three to two, I'll be, I'll be, I'll live with that. And I'll consider that a successful year, but honestly, no, uh, they need to they they need to do more than that. Um, then you know they need to make it through the series if they want to have a successful year. But I'll tell you, to me the last the seventeen and nineteen have been two of the more enjoyable seasons I can ever remember as a Yankee fan. And this is including you know maybe ninety six is up there, but seventeen and nineteen have been unbelievably fun. You, you know what's so weird about this season to me? First of all, and I, this is so bizarre to think about now. The New York Yankees opened up the season by losing two out of three right. to the Baltimore Orioles. Mm-hmm. They then followed that up by losing the, two the out Tigers. of three yeah. <laughs> to the Detroit I, Tigers. I know, I know, amazing. So this franchise <laughs> started this season off two and four, right. not just against bad teams, but against two of the worst teams you'll ever see. Yep. And then, not too much longer later, 
They got swept by the Houston Astros. This was a 5-7 and seven team, mm-hmm. and they actually lost to the Chicago White Sox, too. So if you want to go further, they're 6-8, and eight, right. mostly against bad teams. Now guys are starting to get hurt, and I remember even saying this on the air. Hey, if they could just play 500 ball until they start to get healthy, you have to consider that a victory. Mm-hmm. The fact that they then went on you know, and went on this incredible run Right. And let's let's be honest, ran away with the American League East and did it without being fully healthy. That was stunning to me. When you go back to April and look at how this season started, the guys that got hurt, and then the fact it became a runaway train, how stunned are you? No, stunned. I, 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 and I remember one distinct moment um, when Judge went down because obviously all the injuries happen, you know, and you just – how were they even treading water at the time? They were kind of treading water for right. a, for a little while, and then Judge has that swing, and you know right away the oblique is significant. You know it right away. You could tell by the way he 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 dropped the bat. You could tell. I knew he was gone for months. I knew it, and I just remember sitting on the couch next to my wife with my head in my hand, and I just looked at her. I said, "They could have handled anyone but Judge. Mm. Uh, the season is over." And I remember. The next two weeks, they lost like one game, and I could not believe it. I could not believe the guys stepping up and playing the way they played, and for this this team to continue on. I mean, people forget they they forget who was on this team. You forget who you went into the season as a starting third baseman. That is just you don't even remember the guy's name. What was his name again? I'm pretty sure he had like a bunch of doubles last year, and you know got beat out by Otani. But I, for the life of me, I can't remember the guy's name. That's where we're at. And for, for them to have this season is remarkable. And for them, honestly, forget this, the idea that not only do they have this season, but I don't have to pay attention to the last two or three weeks. <laughs> That's amazing. It really is. It's amazing. It really is. And, you know, I, I, I'm totally with you. And I think this is an obvious answer on the injury that you were most frightened about was Aaron Judge. And no it happened. Question. It happened early in the season. Mm-hmm. And it happened before they created any wiggle room in this division when he had that oblique issue. It was late April. And so at that moment, despite all of the other guys that this team was losing, yep. he has always felt like the most valuable guy that you can't lose. But not just one guy stepping up. You know, it wasn't like, oh, they got this amazing year out of Gio Urshela. Right. Who saw that coming? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mike Talkman, And it's a shame that Mike Talkman's not going to be a part of the postseason. It is. It really is. Because he was one of those great stories for the middle of the summer where he was doing everything. His defense was outstanding. Mm-hmm. He was hitting home runs. He was hitting for a good average. He was getting on base. Yeah. If you had to pick, and I think this is difficult and yeah, it's amazing. It, oh, no, it is. One guy that you'd say... That was the guy who stepped up the most. Not necessarily the surprise, because we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. But the guy who stepped up the most to help this team during all of the injuries they suffered. Who would be that guy? I guess it. I guess it has to be Urshela, just because the level of player we all thought he was, and what we ended up seeing, and we ended up seeing a guy who, at times in the year, had a nine hundred OPS. I mean, he was not just good. He was brilliant. He was carrying the team. He was hitting third, fifth in the lineup. I mean, it was just remarkable what he was doing. And, you know, I would also put, and although he wasn't necessarily someone who wouldn't have been on the team anyway, I think obviously with everything that's happened now, it's easy to forget how important Domingo Herman was to this team. Mm. I mean, he was uh, just, he was the first half MVP for me because we talked, you just talked about the most devastating injury. And I agree it was Judge. 
But the only if 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 Severino would have went down in April the same way Judge did, it might have been Severino. The fact that it started the year and that you never had him, it doesn't seem to hurt so bad because you were with the way Herman pitched and the fact that you kind of never had him. But if they were floundering or just like playing 500 and suddenly Severino goes down, that is a enormous loss. And the way Herman was able to step in and lead the league in wins for most of the year. I mean, he was as important as anyone. But if you're going to talk about just straight up guys replacing injuries and coming out of nowhere, I still think it's got to be Gio between his defense and the heights that he took his game was astounding. Yeah, I mean, the guy had a great year. I mean, the guy hit, the guy ended up hitting 316. Which That's is, crazy. Which it's is crazy. It really is. They be- got him for cash. Like No one even <laughs> knew he was on the team. I know. And he's one of those guys who throughout the year I looked at and said, okay, eventually. No doubt. He's going to come back down no to earth. Mm-hmm. And he's not that good. And I think he's one of those guys now that you look at and say, hey, he's an important part of the future. I bet he makes you think differently about Miguel Andujar right now, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I was, I forget who I was talking about this too, but like, honestly, I I would not necessarily look to shop Andujar, but I, I wonder what the value of Urshela is. I wonder if other teams have bought in to the Urshela renaissance here, because honestly, I would look to move both of them mm. and see where I get my best value for. Obviously, I'm going to want a little more from Andujar. I would still think that. I mean, I know he's coming off the injury. But, I mean, depending on the value for one of these guys, I, I mean, it definitely makes me rethink Andujar. It's, it's crazy to say, and especially, but it's also the emergence of LeMahieu. You know, that would make me think Andujar as well because you can always, you know, figure out a way to play, you know, LeMahieu at third base. And, and that's the other thing. He made you keep him on the field when they had Luke Voigt and other options. They trade for another first baseman and an Arcanacion, who's a, more of a DH, but you could easily put him at first base. There were so many ways to get Urshela off the field, yep. and he wouldn't let you do it. And I think we're probably, when we talk about what they should do in the postseason, I think both of us agree he should be in the everyday lineup. Absolutely. He should be out there every day. Absolutely. Luke Voigt's making that easy right yeah. now. Yeah. Oh, he's making, just, it. he's making it real easy. <laughs> That's a fair point. I mean, I got callers today uh, just in the overnight telling me that Ford should be on the roster instead of him. It's not a crazy thought anymore. It's really not because of They're how bad Luke Voigt's been. Yeah, but They're not going to do here's that. Here's the thing, and, and I had been saying this all year, and I think you have felt this way all year, mm-hmm. that when people would call you up in July and say, hey, what should the Yankee rotation be in the playoffs? Or what should the Yankee lineup be in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. It's fun to debate it. It's fun to talk about it. But the true answer is, it's a boring answer, is talk to me in September. Let's see how guys are performing. Mm -hmm. Well, here we are in September, and Luke Voigt is one for his last 33 or whatever it is. You nailed it. You want to play the guys who are hot. You want to play the guys who are performing. So Mm. I'm not saying I would necessarily keep them off the roster, but I don't think it's a crazy thought right now to say, look, uh, I can live without him right now. But I got to give you a name. And I think a part of me is that I made such a mistake with this, so I'm kind of overcompensating for my mistake sure. by complimenting the guy a lot. Mm-hmm. But you know who I think you could argue? Because Urshel is definitely towards the top yeah. as far as guys stepping up. Brett Gardner. Oh, no question. Be- because Brett Gardner is a guy who, first of all, I didn't think the Yankees should resign because I thought he was done. I-, yeah. I looked at what he did last year. It was the worst year of his career. He's in his mid-30s. I don't look at him as an everyday outfielder anymore. I would have rather have signed a guy like Michael Brantley. Okay, fine. They bring Brett Gardner back. Mm -hmm. Brett Gardner was forced to play every single day. He was forced to play a ton of center field because, shockingly enough, Aaron Hicks got hurt. 
And more than that, more than the defense, and he's playing every day, and he's a leader, and he's taking his bat, and he's banging the dugout, and everybody right. loves it. Mm-hmm. The guy had the best year of his career. No, no question. And to me, I mean, he's got 10 home runs in September. This is a guy who went into hibernation at the end of the year mm-hmm. for the last three years, where he gave you decent seasons for the most part, and then the second half, you couldn't find him. And for him to have this great season, and Hicks goes down officially towards the end of the year, and for him to get better... As the season went along, where you feel at this point, you, you know, you're, you're, he comes up in a big spot, you're feeling good about it. And, and you know, I fully expect him, you know, to, to come through and play well in this postseason. It's really remarkable. I totally agree. He's got 28 home runs. I know. He's become, uh, you know, he, he's not even, you know, he's never been great at stealing bases for how, how, how fast he is. He's never been a great base stealer. But now it's almost, you, you think of him as the guy who's going to put an, an A swing and try and drive the baseball. He's, he's changed the way I think about him as a player almost. It, I know this is very misleading because so many guys have missed a lot of time, but mm-hmm. Brett Gardner is third on the team at home runs. Yep, third on the team at home runs. He has more home runs than Aaron Judge mm-hmm. and uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Again, I get it's misleading. Those yes. guys missed a lot of time, but right. hey, that's a part of baseball. Part of baseball is being able to go out there and play every day, and mm-hmm. that's where I give Glaber Torres a lot of credit because Glaber's had – it, it, I would describe it almost as an odd year because if I told you, hey, Glaber's going to hit 280, he's going to hit 38 home runs and 90 RBIs, right. you'd say, hey, that's fantastic. I think watching him every day, especially as a 22-year-old, but watching him every day, I don't know if it's the fact that everybody had home runs or that he just hit most of them against the Orioles, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like a 38 home run year from Glaber Torres. you agree with that or am I crazy? Um, no, I, I think to a point... Uh, You've got and listen early on, especially the the thir- I think the thirteen of his first eighteen were against Baltimore. They played Baltimore so much early in the year. I think he's kind of turned it on a little bit more late in the year. Um, but I, I still think if you look at his numbers, I think he's one of the better guys with uh, runners in scoring position. One of the better guys with uh, runners in scoring position and two outs. Um, so the home runs, I agree with you. But overall, the season. I feel very positive about it, and all you know. The also the fact is they signed uh, Tulowitzki to be their shortstop at the beginning of the uh-huh. year, which everyone forgets about too. I mean, <laughs> that's a laugh of an injury. I mean, that never amounted to anything. But you know, while Didi's gone, he moves over and he plays shortstop. You don't even think twice about it. You know, he's gone back and forth a bunch of times. You know, he plays every day. Uh, I I I think the I I think Torres had a phenomenal year. I do listen. It's hard. He hit 13 home runs against one team. So I mean, yeah, and and they're all against the worst team in baseball, who gave up more home runs than anyone's ever given up in the history of the sport. But I think late. I think this second half of the season, he's come on and been really good. You know what? It's funny, and it's not to pick on Glaber Torres because when we talk about the Minnesota Twins, I'm going to pick on them, and that's yeah. the fact that there are so many bad teams in baseball. Yeah especially in the Twins division. I mean, Mm -hmm. the Minnesota Twins win 100-plus games. They have done that one other time in their franchise's history. They deserve a lot of credit for that. But when you play the Kansas City Royals Mm -hmm. and the Detroit Tigers 38 times and you own the daylights out of them, to their credit, that's what you're supposed to do. It's what the Yankees did to the Orioles. I think that there are player numbers that are going to look inflated because of the juice baseball. Mm -hmm. And I think there are going to be teams records and even maybe player stats too, that are going to look inflated because of the, the, the the absolute discrepancy between good to great teams like the Yankees and the horrendous team like the Tigers, Royals and Orioles. So 
I think we just have to, because it's, you know, it's the same thing with Pete Alonso. You know, Pete Alonso had all these home runs in a year in which everybody was hitting home runs. Right. All you can do is compare guys to each other. That's all you can do. I mean, mm-hmm. 38 home runs in 2019, yes, it's different than 38 home runs five years ago it or is, even yeah. last year. But the facts are, you got to compare it to the guys that, right. the other guys in baseball. It's the only yeah. way you can and do Alonso's it. And Alonso's still leading the league in home runs. So it doesn't, I, I agree with you. But to your point, and I, I shouldn't say this, especially because my team is about to face them in the postseason, but I couldn't agree more. This is a good quality Twins team. Do you look at this team and think they're a 101-win team? No. They're not. They're just not that good. And honestly, with all the Yankees, you could look at this Yankee roster and say they're not a 100-win team, to be quite frank with you. They've had so many guys come up and play well that it's astounding. But, I mean, this this is not a 100-win t- Twins team. No. I, I don't look at them as a 100-win team that I got to really – you know, concern myself with. I mean, they, they mash the ball. And the, the one fear I do have is that a lot of the Yankees pitching, especially the starting rotation, is prone to the home run. And especially in today's day, you know, I mean, at any moment, a three-run home run changes the series, and that can always scare you. But I don't – this this the pitching staff for the Twins yeah. and even the bottom of the lineup, they, they have a very nice lineup. But if you compare the length of the lineup between the Yankees and the Twins, it's not, you know – you want me to give you a number that just basically helps prove what you're trying to say here? Sure. When they play the Orioles, Tigers, and Royals, they're 34-9. and nine. Wow, yeah. And they deserve a lot of credit for that because yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. And if you want to throw the White Sox in there, who I don't think are nearly as bad they're, as yeah, those other teams. They're not. But they did beat them up, too. They were 13-6 and six against them. Mm-hmm. So they did a really good job. Right. So it's, it's kind of a compliment, but I'm also... I'm mocking them at the same time. It's half and half. They've done a really good job of absolutely destroying these awful teams. And look, the Yankees did it to the Orioles. So no question. It's a and, part and, of baseball. And the Red Sox built up a 108-win season last year doing the same thing. So the, All it and, means and, is that we can't look at you know this team and compare it to a team 25 years ago based on wins. That's right. basically what we have to be right. careful about. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Because yeah. the, I mean, when 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 you're watching Sports Center, I'm totally with you. When you're watching Sports Center, it's like this is the first time ever four teams have won 100 games. I'm thinking, yeah, it's probably the first time ever that four or five teams have won 50. <laughs> I mean, that's really the story. They're that bad, and they and they and you know, and some teams you can look at and have a little hope for them. Like uh, the the Orioles are just they're going to be this bad again next year and the year after that. I don't know. I mean, at least you can look at the Blue Jays who uh, they got I, talent. You, they've got some talent. You mentioned I've heard you a bunch talk about it. The the Yankees have struggled with the Blue Jays. They have young talent where, you know, they lost a lot of games too, not nearly as many as the teams were talking about, but still. I mean, you could see there's a there's a light at the, the end of the that tunnel. One, I don't know what the Orioles and Tigers are going to do. It's going to take forever. I don't remember enough about their roster other than the pitchers who were challenging 20 losses, and I think Carlos Pena was on the team. But the 2003 Detroit Tigers mm-hmm. lost 119 games, right. which none of these teams is going to match. No. And within three years, yeah. they're in the That's World true. Series. True. So, Freaking Kenny Rogers. Oh, something. yeah. You're, you remember. Oh, my, oh my God. That's, yeah. Honestly, I know it sounds weird and people dry, uh, go nuts. I respected that Red Sox team. I know that the 2004 Red Sox were a good team, and, and I thought they were right on par with the Yankees. I know they had a 3 nothing lead, and the blow in it was terrible, and you, know, you have to live with it forever. But I'm telling you, that 06 Tigers team, man, that just bothered the hell out of me losing that series. No, I understand. It bothered the hell out of me. That was the famous. Kenny, yeah, that was the famous murderers Rowan Cano team that Jimmy. Exactly right, and they win that first game. Bobby Abreu hits a big home run, and I don't know if you remember this, but 
um, they were actually the wild card team, the the Tigers, because they they actually had a division lead and blew it to the collapsed. Royals. Collapsed at the end of the year. The I think it was the Pena, the one like uh, Pena led Royals team that ended up winning the division that year, and they collapsed. And everyone was just like, "Man, can you believe the Yankees' luck? They're going to play the Tigers. This team stinks. They can't hold on to the division to the Royals." And then Kenny Rogers with you know pine tar all over his neck. I hate that. That series really bothers Well, in the fairness, they blew it to Minnesota. Oh, but it's they, Minnesota? I'm but, sorry. I'm no, no, you're half right, though, because okay. I want to help you out here. They, okay. Their collapse at the end of the year was uh-huh. losing to Kansas City. Oh, okay. So that's, that's probably why you All think right, of it that it way. All right, thank you. No, no, but you're right. And that, that was one of those moments early on as a baseball, or not that early on, but as a baseball fan where I wanted to get rid of the wild card or at least change it because mm-hmm. here's a Tiger team. They blow a division, and it ended up not mattering. Because right. they beat the Yankees, they yep. win in the LCS against Oakland, they swept them, Maglio Ordonez hit that walk-off, yep. and now they're in the World Series. Nowadays, if you blow a division lead, you right. got to play the wild card game. Completely, yeah, completely agree, which could happen here. It could be very interesting, the, the Cardinals and the Brewers. Sure. So that, that is the one thing that I remember about 2006, and I say, mm-hmm. eh. It's kind of crappy that that happened. But the other thing I remember about that then they series. Couldn't, then the pitchers couldn't feel the bunt, and I felt a lot better about it. <laughs> yes, well. In the World Series. That was a World Series I had a very difficult time watching yeah, sure, for obvious sure, reasons. Obviously, yeah. I also remember Justin Verlander pitching that series. He was the Game 2 starter, the young Justin Verlander in Game 2. Didn't get a decision, but I remember him striking out A-Rod in a big spot. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know what inning it was, but Verlander, this young, you know, 22-year-old, whatever he was. But, yeah, Tigers-Yankees back in 06, and three years earlier, they lost 119 games. If you had to pick an MVP of this team, I mean, I think the consensus is DJ LeMahieu, since mm-hmm. people are trying to make the argument he's the American League MVP. But would you say he is the MVP yeah, of this team? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely would. I, I Like I told you before, I would give um, Herman the first half MVP. I thought it was critical that he was able to stabilize the rotation at least you know, a little bit. He was he was really, really good. People are going to forget, obviously, what happened at the end of the year, but he was very important. But yeah, no, D.J. LeMahieu was, was the metronome. He was just the steady force that just kept clicking off multiple hit games. There was, you know, he was brilliant in the field no matter where you put him. Uh, I mean, uh, it's hard to argue. He's got 100 RBIs now from the leadoff position. I think he's got 94 from the leadoff. I mean, he's just... He was, he was, for a long time, he had one of the best records of all time with runners in scoring position. I'm not sure where he's going to end up now. But, I mean, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue. He's been the guy that the team has looked to, and, has, and he's quiet, and he's reserved, and I don't, he's not one of the guys that whoop it up in the dugout. I'm, when I watch the team, I'm, I'm not sure how popular he is with the team, to be honest with you. Sometimes I watch it, and I'm just not sure he's one of the guys. There was like a, there was like a famous, it was a, not famous, but there was a photo of them like traveling on the plane, and they're all dressed up as something, and they're all on the plane, and they're all taking pictures and everything, and you could see LeMahieu just in a seat facing the other way, nothing to do with the picture. <laughs> and, like, I just, I think he's just the guy who shows up and plays baseball, and God, you know, what a godsend, just an unbelievable signing. And I do have to admit this, since we're on the subject, just real quick. Yeah. I remember at the beginning of the year thinking and saying, I'm not sure if I said it on air, I might have, but, oh, man, I really wish the Yankees would have got Lowry instead. 
You know, he's, he's left-handed, which is what he's a switch hitter and he hits left-handed. I mean, he's proven with the A's. He also plays a lot more shortstop than LeMahieu does, which is what they need with Tulowitzki gone. I think they blew it. I wish the Mets and Yankees would switch LeMahieu and Lowry. I think he Lowry would be a better fit for the Yankees. And boy, am I a moron. <laughs> well, guess what? I thought the exact same thing. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Well, for the reasons you laid out that, first of all, I think anybody that comes from Coors Field comes with questions attached to them. And we don't know what that player is outside of Coors Field. Now, one of the common things people say is, well, but DJ LeMahieu isn't a power hitter. Coors Mm -hmm. Field is not just about power hitters. It's a bigger ballpark. So even if you're not relying on home runs, you don't know what the guy is out of Coors Field. So that was concern number one. And I think you laid out the point perfectly that I thought that having a guy who could hit left-handed, Jed's a switch hitter, I thought made more sense. He had more position versatility Mm -hmm. until this season. And the age just didn't concern me all that much. Right. But we were very wrong. And in our defense, though, he had 300 last year with the A's. Like I he, just, had great, he had a he had better a year, year than DJ. He did. He had a much better year. In our defense, who the hell could predict no, the guy can't. wasn't going to play all year? You can't. You can't. You can't. And, uh, it's, and it's funny, in the Yankee year of the injury, that's the one move they made right. That, no, you know, you're right. Uh, amazing. But yeah, no, it's got to be LeMahieu. Other than just, just uh, I don't know what it's. I really wouldn't even know who else to say. That's it, it, how much it is. Him. It is DJ LeMahieu, but I, I remember throughout this season, every month thinking it was somebody else. Early in the season yep. at a time, I thought it was Gary Sanchez before yeah, oh, he had any that's, that's true. Yeah, no, he was brilliant. He was hitting home runs at a, a crazy clip. He had he came he came back from a, an early injury, didn't play that well, and then caught fire in San Francisco. Yep. And just started hitting home runs on a daily basis. And, you know, and his catching improved vastly this year. Now he's got the groin injury. Uh, I don't know moving fo- hopefully he can you know hopefully he's healthy enough to catch but uh I I uh, I think the pass balls were cut down by almost like 70%. Uh I think he's he did a great job behind the plate. I think he really wanted to show who he was and and had for the most part a good year. He's still the one thing about him that scares me in a short series though. He gets in swing mode, man. Oh my he, god. He gets in swing mode where if he's struggling he just swings at anything. Yes. He's, he's worse than Stanton. He really is at times. He will just swing at anything. I think now, you're in right. The, in the postseason, he, last year, he was he was pretty good. He hit the big home run on Price. He had the great at bat against Kimbrell, even though it didn't go out. Like, he's been pretty good in in the big games. So I'm going to – but if he comes back after groin injury and not playing for two weeks and he's just getting up there and he's not comfortable – it could be a lot of ugly swings. He I'm, I'm kind of concerned about it. He's a very, very streaky player. Very streaky. I mean, I know that in general guys are streaky, but right. he takes streaks to a whole new level. Absolutely. I, you can't hand the MVP to four guys, but the constants from that bullpen, the big four, yep. if you will, mm-hmm. and all of them were healthy this year. All of them came out and pitched this True. year. Yep. Chapman, Adovino, Britton, and even Tommy Canely, they all pretty much reached the same amount of innings. They're all in that low 60s range. They managed the bullpen very well, where none of them pitched three days in a row. Canely emerged, re-emerged, I think is the best way to look at it, because he was so good in 2017 after that trade. He's the epitome of the fickle reliever, year up, year down. Honestly, I would try and trade him now, because he's going to have a bad year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Trade him to the Mets. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure they take him. No, but his emergence uh, has been really remarkable, because uh, in 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 a bullpen that, 
for whatever you want to say, um, has been great. The one thing is they're two back end. The only lefties on the team were the two back end guys. Right. So if you if you had to face a lefty in the sixth, seventh inning, your guy was Canely because of the changeup, and it, it 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 became a weapon for Boone out of the bullpen in a big lefty spot. And I can't tell you how many times that he came in against you know yep. a big lefty in the sixth or seventh, and he got them flailing at that changeup. It it was a he's a very big part of the bullpen, very big. Yeah, because you're right. I mean. Zach Britton and Aroldis Chapman are left-handed relievers. They're not lefties that you're bringing in to get a lefty out. And that's the guy I really want to mention because sometimes things become underrated. So Adam Adovino's struggles were getting attention, and they should because Adam Adovino struggled in the second half last year. Mm -hmm. He was starting to struggle in the second half this year, really the last month. But I don't know if people realize how freaking awesome Zach Britton has been. Yeah, he's been great. Over the last two months. Mm -hmm. First of all, in the second half of the year, his ERA is 1.16. But if you want to go deeper than that, over the last two months, August and September, he's at 16 and a third innings, one run. Wow. That's what he's done. And I think it's... I think it's been quiet because it the Yankees been. have won away with run away with the division. Right. And I think it's been quiet because the way Boone has handled this bullpen has been more, I got to manage these guys. I'm not going balls to the wall to win every single game. Right. That's obviously going to change, which yep. the postseason begins. But Zach Britton got off to a very blah start, very mediocre start. Can this guy be upholds guy? Yeah. Is he just a closer? Is he done after that big injury? And I think he's reminded everybody that the Yankees have a top closer as their eighth inning guy. That's what Zach Britton is. Zach Britton yep. can close on more than half the teams in baseball right now. Yeah, no question. And I also think um, some of his uh, the pitfalls with the, at least the Yankee fan base is he gave up a couple of big home runs. He gave up uh, you know, one to um, Vlad Jr., uh, against the Blue Jays, which I think the Yankees have like seven or eight blown saves against the Blue Jays this year. Yeah. But he gave up a, a couple of big home runs in big spots. But no, I listen, I agree with you. He's and and he's incorporated the 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 slide, half slider, the slurve ball a little bit into his repertoire. It's really helped. Uh, he, when he throws that for strikes, he's dangerous because they don't, uh, especially to lefties. I mean, it really helped him this year. But yeah, I mean, he's fully back from the Achilles injury. He looks great. And, uh, and I'm with you. I mean, he's a, you know, he, you're right. He's as good as uh, more than half the closers in the game right now. You don't have to defend this answer, okay? Because this is not an answer that you have to argue with why you find it memorable. It can just be, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. I find this game to be the most memorable game of 2019. It doesn't have to be the most significant. It just jumps in your head. Because I played this game uh, before we started this. I said, all right, Evan, as a Met fan, you know, not even as a Yankee fan, right. Yankee game 2019 that jumps out at you. And I actually have an answer. There was a game that jumped out at me. Right. I, I think it was rather important. And I could go first if you want, or do you want to go first? No, go ahead. All right, you ready for the game? Yeah. Sunday night baseball. Right. Yankees, Red Sox. Okay. The Red Sox are on their way back. They're in the race. Oh, my God, they may sweep the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Domingo Herman versus Chris Sale. And Domingo Herman goes out there and doesn't throw the most dominant game in the world, right. but pitches into the sixth inning, hands it to the uh, big four of the bullpen. They beat Chris Sale, and the Yankees salvaged the final game of that series. And instead of the Red Sox cutting it to what I think would have been seven games, mm-hmm. the Yankees extended back out to right. uh, 10 games. And for whatever reason... 
I know there's other games that were more exciting, but yeah. that game jumps out at me as memorable and important. Salvaging that final game, and I thought that was the game where I started to say, wow, I think I can trust Domingo Herman in a big spot. Now, we all know that's irrelevant now because Herman's not going to be on the postseason roster. Right. He's on administrative leave. But for whatever reason, that Sunday night in Boston in late July jumps out at me. What say you? Um. I have to admit, I, 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 I wish I could tell you it was, to me, it was the exciting game against Minnesota. I know there were more important games for the season. Uh, there definitely were. But I had so much fun watching that freaking baseball game. <laughs> the ups and downs, the, the late home runs, to end it on the catch like that uh, against a, a team. And, and I know this is weird sometimes, but the level of success they've had against the Twins and for some reason, the 2009 season of sweeping all those games against the Twins at home just stood out to me that when the Yankees dominate the Twins, things go well. And, <laughs> and, and that's why I'm kind of excited that they got them in the first round because they usually, postseasons usually go well, maybe not a World Series necessarily, but postseasons usually go well when they play the Twins. And that game just had so many ups and downs and was so freaking exciting. And I just, it, it will, it just, as soon as the game ended, I was like, this is why I love baseball. So that one sticks out to me the most, but let me just add to this because I want to give you something that's important. Uh, I, and I, I hope I'm not sounding like a bad Yankee fan here. Cause I don't remember the specifics of the game, but I will tell you the biggest stretch to me, similar to the, the Red Sox thing you're talking about is the three games after the Darno game to the, to the Tampa Bay Rays. They lose that game. I think they cut it to like five or six uh, with the Rays. I was never really too worried about the Rays, but still they were right on our heels. They were the team right behind us. We have that terrible blown save. Darno hits three home runs and everybody's panicking. And the next three games, we took them to the woodshed and put in. That's where I really felt like we put the Rays behind us. Yeah. So I don't remember necessarily any specifics of those games just off the top of my head, but I remember the feeling of, all right, screw you, Tampa Bay. Uh, you think you can come out here and, you know, beat us with former Met castoffs ain't going to happen. And so I felt really good about the team in the division after those three games that's, coming back. That's a good answer because that's when the Yankees ran away with the division. Yeah, that's where it really started for me. That's, that's where it was where, over. There was that moment where, listen, this series can't get out of hand here. And I think a lot of fans were nervous. I never really was. but I, I and, and that's not it, just to say it to be glib. I literally was never really that worried. No, I, but, I mean, I think there was a lot. I remember doing the sh I was remember doing CMB that day, and a lot of the fan base was like, we need to be careful. These are games we can't lose, blah, 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 blah. blah. You know, and I just felt like that was like a, the f that was like a moment of just like, we got this. No, it was definitely a, it was a dangerous moment because yeah. it was middle July. Right. That victory got them within five games. You know, right, five man. games is hanging around. No, you win a couple more. In the middle of July, it's hanging around. Sure. With that pitching staff, you know, and look, they're going to win nine, 98 games or whatever they're going to win. Yeah, no, they, they've they had a tremendous year too. Yeah. Now, you're right about that because I think that that loss, that was a bad loss. I mean, that was just an awful, tough awful loss. loss. Tough, you know, tough. roll this Chapman blowing it. You're yep. in your own building. You're facing a division rival. Yep. And you're right. They showed great they showed a great response because they ended up winning the next three games yep. ended up uh, you know taking the series expanding their lead in the division mm -hmm. and there was never really i think after that much to worry about you know i mentioned no. the game against boston even with the red sox winning those three games right the lead was still significant in yeah. the al east and it never felt like the red sox were your biggest challenger to your point it felt like if it, if it was going to be anybody it was actually going to be tampa yeah which was which surprised me i have to admit there was a point into the season where I went, you know, this team is gritty and this team has the pitching 
And this team has the manager and the, and the ana- analytics going where they're figuring out ways to win. I mean, and whenever, like, I always look at teams, we all know how smart the ownership is. And, but I look at teams who are ahead of the curve, and I feel like they were ahead of the curve against most, uh, for more teams uh, on the shift, and now they've created the opener. I mean, you know, how many teams are throwing openers now? And, you know, the Rays are a smart baseball team. They now are uh, in the postseason with the lowest payroll in baseball. They're going to win 90-some-odd games with the lowest payroll in baseball. They do a great job. And even though the Red Sox were defending champions, for me, I started to really watch. And Mookie Betts had a good year. He still scored 120 runs or whatever he scored. But I was watching a lot of Red Sox games, and I, I just didn't see Mookie Betts playing up to snuff up to Mookie. I, I watched a lot of games and I thought Mookie Betts was striking out a lot for him. Uh, he really struggled at times in the year. And I really believe as Mookie goes, that team goes. So I started to feel better about the Red Sox, not having another killer season when I started to watch Mookie Betts really not be the MVP was a year ago. Well, congratulations because they're going to trade Mookie Betts. They're going to break that well, listen, team you're apart. Gonna, you're going to get him for Syndergaard. You give him, <laughs> I didn't say him, that. You give him Syndergaard. You give him Diaz, and then whatever else he needs. JD Davis, throw him in there. Whatever. Yeah, you got to throw JD Davis. Throw him in. There's a problem with Mookie Betts, and there's a problem for Boston. There's a problem for the Mets. There's a problem for anybody that wants to trade for him. He's going to be a free agent, and he's going to want a ton of money. Yep. And I don't know where he's going to end up. I mean, some team, some owner, because Mookie's a tremendous baseball player. Is going to pay him that kind of money. And guess what? It ain't going to be the Mets. Yeah, I know. Spoiler alert for you. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I I, I agree with you. I wish it were, but it's not going to be. One other big theme from this season, uh, and then we could talk about this series and beating the Twins and all that, Mm -hmm. was this manager. First of all, he should be manager of the year, but also... Hands down. You agree with me on this? Oh, my God. Hands down. Yeah, it should be him. You know, I know Rocco Baldelli is going to get a lot of talk, and you'll probably hear that. Of course he's done a great job, but... The New York Yankees have overcome an amount of injuries that's not even normal. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't stop. I mean, even during this final series against Texas, yep. you get the pain in the ass with James Paxton. I mean, it just, even if it's minor, it doesn't even matter at this point. Yep. It just never freaking stops. Nope. And, you know, I think Boone, sometimes we look at manager of the year as the manager on the smallest market team that had right. success. Yep. Well, sometimes it shouldn't be that. Sometimes it just be flat out, hey, this guy did a great job managing. And Aaron Boone, second straight year of 100-plus wins, they win this division, a better division than the Central, where there were two crappy teams yep. as opposed to one. Yep. Uh, I think it's easy. It should be Aaron Boone. I completely agree with you. He always has this team ready to go, obviously overcoming everything. And here's like a, a little I – f- I forget the exact number of games, but here's something – that kind of jumps out at me just as far as a team that's always ready to play. Do you know how many double headers the Yankees swept? Oh this my year? God, tons. They <laughs> swept almost every double header they play. And I know that's not that big a deal. And, uh, and to be fair, I think three or four of them were against, you know, the Orioles. Right. But I mean, it, it's an old adage in baseball. It's tough to sweep a double header. It's just tough. And they, they would win the first games of double header by 13 runs and they would come out and win the next one by seven. They were always ready to win. They were always ready to play hard. Uh, and I just, the, he, I just think he's got a great feel for this team. He's, he's managed the bullpen, you know, sometimes a, a lot of Yankee fans, and this is the one topic I get into the most arguments with other Yankee fans is Aaron Boone. Because I feel like sometimes these Yankee fans want to do everything to win every single game. And if you, this is not, Joe Torre was much more like that. 
this guy is not going to do that. He, I, he, I don't think a single reliever pitched more than three days in a row. They were not going to do whatever they could to win a specific game against the Royals in June. It just wasn't the way he was going to manage. He had a long view of this season, and look where it got him. I am so – I was the first guy who was mad when Joe Girardi was fired. I hated it. I thought he did a wonderful job. I thought he was one of the better bullpen managers in all of the sport. He, To me, the idea that he couldn't handle a young team and it was time for a new voice was ridiculous because I thought his biggest weakness was handling superstars and he won the manager of the year with a young Florida Marlins team. I thought he was the guy for this team. I was mad when he was fired. Aaron Boone has been terrific. I have no problem with him being the manager of the team. He's done a great job and he should be manager of the year. Yeah, I think the one question for Aaron Boone is managing in October because he did not do a great job in that divisional series against the Red Sox. That doesn't mean he's a terrible manager. I think, like you said, he's the manager of the year. And Joe Girardi shouldn't have been let go. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think the excuses that were being used were BS. Yep. But Aaron Boone has done as Can't good argue. of a job Can't as you argue. could have hoped in the regular Girardi, season. Yeah, Girardi would not have done a better job. He couldn't have. This he's, may have done the same. Yeah, may, I mean, have, done maybe. The, may have done the same. You maybe. Know, I mean, listen, we all know it's the players. but and, and, and who knows, you know, a lot of these days off and different things, but... Are, are you know dictated from, from on cash, high, you know yeah. from the prince yeah. you know from the prince himself right. who's who's running the organization and you know and that's another guy I mean how what what a great job Brian Cashman has done I mean we talk about you know what Boone was able to overcome but I mean somebody brought these guys to the team too I mean Talkman was a guy. And we, you know, we mentioned him. Talkman was a guy who was a 300 hitter in in AAA. Was you know a solid AAA player, but nobody wanted to give him a chance to play every day. They pull that trade like you know 12 minutes before the season starts, and look what he was able to do. I mean, you you, you get I think it was from Toronto. You get Urshela for like nothing money. Nobody even knows he's on the team to start the year. They get Maben, who's in the minor league system of the Cleveland Indians, hitting 220. Now I know Maben's a name. He was a big time prospect that never paid out, but still. I mean, to bring him to this team to get what he's given you and what he's meant to the clubhouse, hugging everybody. I mean, every move the guy has made besides this side of Sonny Gray has been brilliant building I, this I team. I think, no, and you're right about that. And you want to call him the executive of the year, that's fine. I think yeah, the but I, thing you know, that hurts him, and I know I'm grading him very high. He's the best general manager. Not doing anything at the trading no, Not even that, because... What did you want him to do? I mean, Marcus Stroman, yeah. maybe he pitches better with the Yankees than he did with the Mets. We right. heard Brian Cashman's view on that. Yep. Trevor Bauer was never going to be traded here. Right. That was never going to happen. And again, maybe he pitches better with the Yankees than they he has do. with Cincinnati. Yeah. Here's the biggest critique on Brian Cashman. You ready? Yep. He had a shot to acquire two starting pitchers over the last three years. And he passed on both of them. And that may be the reason why they didn't get past the Astros. And that's Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. Now, I admit, I want to be honest about this. I understood why he passed on both of them. First Mm -hmm. of all, I thought Verlander was done. Yeah, everybody did. We all did. And this guy goes to Houston and is not only having a pitching renaissance, he's better than he even was in Detroit during his prime. Yeah, it's amazing. So I understand that with Cashman. And with Garrett Cole, I saw a guy, sure, he's got great stuff. He's yeah. got a mid-4 ERA in the National League. Yeah. What the hell's going to happen when you bring him to Yankee Stadium? We've seen right. that song before. Yep. Javi Vasquez coming over, guys like that. Yep. So I understand why Cashman passed on him. But passing on those guys, 
has right. built this to, super team in yeah. Houston or helped build this yeah, super team. to bring team. in Sonny Gray and Jay Happ. Yeah, I, listen, <laughs> right. I, I understand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and we talked about this the, the uh, last and only time I was on your podcast when we talked about Cashman's moves. Uh, pitching moves, yeah. Pitching moves have been, yep. you know, up and down at, at best. And, yeah, to pass on Verlander. But, at, I, I, you know, it's one of those things. It's hard for me to kill him because at the time I felt the same. Yep. I, I, didn't, no. I didn't necessarily want to do the Verlander move. And what Houston's been able to do – with these pitchers, I mean, even Charlie Morton. Now he's continued it in Tampa Bay, but Charlie Morton was another guy pitching with you know Pittsburgh, you know, okay, and goes to Tampa Bay and, ju- and goes to um, Houston and just you know develops his spin rate or whatever the magic they're pulling over there for them to you know get these pitchers in line. It's just it's remarkable. It really and, it really is it really is crazy. And to your point, we did this podcast, which you know you could check out in the archives, just analyzing every starting pitching move that Brian Cashman has ever made. Right. Going back to when he took over as GM. And one of the positives, jury is still out, appears to be James Paxton. I mean, let's yeah. face it. I know at times in the middle of the season with his inconsistencies, yep. you thought, oh, here's here's the left-handed A.J. Burnett or the left-handed yeah. Sonny Gray. But with the way he's pitched over his last 10, 11 starts, and I know October is going to define it. What yep. he does in October will be a big deal. Mm-hmm. But so far, that does look like a positive pitching move by Brian Cash. Oh, yeah, no question. I really liked it when it happened. Um, I was I – was, pretty significantly disappointed with the way he pitched the first half and leading into it. He wasn't terrible. I mean, he just wasn't good. And I had such high hopes for him and we've seen it finally come together here. The last 10, 11 games. I don't know what this injury is. If it's even that big an injury, I I, I don't know if it even changes, you know, what the pecking order or what they had in mind for games one, two, and three. Uh, But he's the guy where I, if there's going to be, a player who shuts down the Minnesota Twins or shuts down the A's or shuts down um, the uh, the Astros or shuts down the Dodgers along the way here where, you know, I'm making some assumptions there. But sure. if there's going to be a guy who does that, he's the guy. Tanaka's the guy who I trust not to get blown up, you know, you know but ha- um, um, Paxton, Paxton's Paxton the guy is dominate. the guy to dominate. Yeah. And they need that. And se- and especially you know that was the plan to be the one A or the you know the one also with with Severino, and he's finally coming into it. And I just hope that you know this thing doesn't. And I hope it's not an excuse either, you know, because I'm not going to use it if he's on the mound. I'm not using you know a sore a sore ass as an excuse. <laughs> yeah. So you know it's just he's going to have to. It's going to ha- and much like many other Yankees, we talk about Stanton and everything. When you have seasons like this, especially seasons where you coast towards the, it's the gift and the curse. Every a great season gets wiped away with one bad start. Yeah. Hap was terrific for the Yankees down the stretch last year to the point where everyone was clamoring for him to be the wild card starter. That's how good he was. He gave up. He had one bad start against with against uh, Boston, and now he's a bad postseason you know, performer. That's all he is, and it's, it'll be the same thing if Paxton p- gets blown up in the first start against Minnesota. No one will remember this 10-11 game stretch. I don't understand something, and maybe you can you can help me out here. Yeah, last year the big debate for two months: who should start the wild card game? Who right. should start the wild card game? It's yeah. all we talked about, mm-hmm. and to me, it was always easy. It was a very easy, easy answer, and that was Masahiro Tanaka. Yes. Turned out not to be Masahiro Tanaka. Right. And I decided not to do that. Masahiro Tanaka pitches game two of the ALDS. What else is new? He wins. It's the one game the Yankees win. (laughs) Right. We're sitting here over the last couple of months knowing the Yankees are going to win the division. They're going to be in the real playoffs, the ALDS. Mm -hmm. And no matter what Paxton's been doing or if Severino can come back, I'm saying the same thing I said last year. I want Tanaka in game one. 
I want him in game five. Now, yep. I also get in the division series, you could go game two and five because of that extra off day. So right. if you want to do two and five, I don't really care. The point is, I need Masahiro Tanaka pitching twice. What the hell am I missing? Because while the Yankees haven't announced what they're doing, they're using Tanaka after an opener. They seem open to the eye. They've lined the rotation up as if it's going to be Paxton, Severino, and then Tanaka, which I cannot wrap my head around why Tanaka would not be my priority to pitch twice in the DS. What am I missing? I don't don't know what you're missing. I I completely agree with you. I I, I really do. And this, all I can tell you is that, I mean, and if you read the Verducci article and you look at Tanaka, Tanaka's numbers third time through the lineup. I I just I can't imagine that they're really going to follow the analytics so closely that they're not going to allow this guy to face a lineup three times and they have this idea of 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 you know throwing another relief. I don't know what even what their plan is, but if they I doubt they're going to use an opener for him. I can't I don't see the logic in using him in game 3. And I also don't see the logic are you telling me if he throws five innings of one-hit baseball, you're going to take him out because the leadoff hitter is, is scheduled in the sixth? You want to know why the like, answer I can't, Chris I can't fathom that. Here's the problem. Here's why the answer to that is yes. Last year, in game two of the ALDS, yeah. he pitched five innings, one run, right. three hits, 78 pitches, and they pulled him for Dellen Batances. I know. They did. They believe, yeah. and I understand what the numbers say, right. they believe third time around, we got to get Tanaka out. They right. did it in the playoffs last year, and luckily for them, Batances, Britton, Chapman, they got the job done. They won the game. It turned out not to be a big deal. Right. But I was at that game at Fenway Park, and I'm talking to myself. I'm sitting around <laughs> Red Sox fans. I'm talking to myself saying, are we living in a world in which yeah. you are taking out your most clutch pitcher at 78 pitches because yeah. you're that afraid of him going? Going third time around the order, and even if that's the case, I still don't get game three. Oh, that's I, that's I, even worse. I just don't get it. I I would be very surprised. Now, look, I, I don't know how they're setting it up. Uh, today's Sunday. Theoretically, if he's on normal start, that is Friday. You're right. I, so I don't know what they're doing. I really don't. And then the other thought, I think I think I read this with Sweeney, and I wish, I feel bad because I should know it's Sweeney if it is. But the idea of maybe if you feel this way about Tanaka. Or if you feel this way about Severino, if Paxton's the one guy you trust to go deep, right? Right. So say you think you're going to the bullpen early with Severino. You're feeling like whichever, between him and Tanaka, whichever guy you really feel you're going to the bullpen early with, you start game one because it's the one game you can guarantee a fully loaded bullpen. Yeah. Yeah, Sweeney. So no matter, that was Sweeney. That was Sweeney, yep, right? Yep, yeah, because we've right. talked so, about oh, it. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Uh, so, but yeah, like that. That's an interesting idea. If you want to tell me that you like Severino in game one because you think you're going to pull him at 60, 70, 80 you know, pitches the fourth inning and you're going to come in with someone else and you want that bullpen fully loaded for five innings on game one, I, I guess that makes sense to me. But then you're planning on doing that twice in the series. And you can't guarantee me the second time around you're going to be as loaded as you are the first Third, time around. You're going to do it. You're going to potentially do it three times in the series. Right. Because if you're coming back with Severino in game five, obviously right. set game five is an all-hands-on-deck game. Right. But we already know game four is going to be a cavalcade of arm game, yeah. it, whether it's Jay Happ, CeCe right. Sabathia, you know, Chad Green opening, whatever you want to say, game four is the kitchen sink game. Yeah. I So... Here's my view on this, and it's slightly different, but it has similarities because I brought this up to Sweeney when we were talking about it. Right. Tanaka game one, because I still want my best pitcher, and I believe he's my best pitcher. That's how I would view Masahiro Tanaka. I'd right. say I trust him the most to pitch game one. I'd come back 
with Severino in game two, Mm -hmm. because if I've got to use my bullpen, I got the off day the next day. Right. So I'm thinking similarly, but I'm using Tanaka one, Severino two off day. Then I got Paxton who hopefully gives me innings. And then I got my bullpen day in game four off day, game five, all hands on deck. But I have no issue with the idea of, I don't love it, but I don't have an issue with saying that idea because if I've got Tanaka in game two, I've got Tanaka in game five. Right. See, I'm thinking about game five. And I, a guy I totally agree. And that, but that's also why I kind of want Paxton and Tanaka game one and two because then I have the option of who's of better of game gotcha. five. That's, fair. Yeah, that's a very good point. I, wa- I want like, if point. Paxton goes out there and throws a one hitter in eight innings, then, yep. uh, you know, unless Tanaka does the same, then I'm throwing Paxton back out there for that, game five. So I want both of them in one and two so I have the option. That's a great point. I always use this as an example. I have no idea why I use this as an example, but I'm going to use it anyway again. A's Tigers division series about seven years ago, long time ago. They started Bartolo Colon, the A's in game one. They started a rookie named Sonny Gray in game two. Mm -hmm. Colon got beat up in game one. Gray was brilliant in game two. Game five comes around. They say, hey, let's start the kid. Sonny Gray starts game five. Doesn't win, but pitches reasonably well. Loses to Justin Verlander. It's the option Mm -hmm. that you create. So from that stand, now you could argue maybe you want Severino as an option. You know, maybe Severino's yeah. a guy I mean, that you'd want pitching. Listen, that game. if they think he's healthy, we saw it last year. You talked about, I talked about how everyone was talking about Hap for that game. You're talking about how it's obviously Tanaka. Who'd they go with? They went with Severino. Yeah. They love this guy. They love his stuff. He's the ace of the team. Uh, if they think he's healthy and they think he can give them 90 to 110, somewhere in between there, they might start him game one. I have no idea where they're going. I can't remember. You're talking about a 103-win team, and I have no idea what they're doing game one. Yeah. None. I have no idea. I just can't get past not having Tanaka as an option. I, I agree. He's, the, I, I he's agree. been money every time he's pitched in the he's, playoffs. Without question, the one guy I feel the most confident in giving me a, a start suitable to win. There's no question. If you told me, you know, three out of four guys are getting lit up, I'd be like, all right, so what, Tanaka managed okay? Like that, I totally, I'm with you. He's, he's been that guy. And you know what? As, ba- as up and down as his season's been, there have been times this year where I've been more impressed with him than any other year because there have been times this year where he's had no split finger, none. It's been completely irrelevant. He didn't throw it, and he figured out a way to go five innings and given up two runs. That's all I'm looking for when I have a lineup and a bullpen like this. How can you not put Tanaka as one of the two guys where you can leave him for game five? I don't get it. If he's game three, I really don't get the thinking. I don't get it. No, and that that comes upstairs to Cashman. It's not going to be just killing Aaron Boone. It's killing everybody for that decision. Oh, of course. It's the and, whole organization. And the opener thing with him, too, it's just getting too cute. I get yeah. the opener. Yeah. It's not something I fully love necessarily. Right. But with Tanaka, look, if if you're well, saying, mean, but, but listen, if you're saying I only. Are you, are you really reading that much into that they're doing it this time around? I don't know. I, I'm mentioning it, and I think it's something I'm keeping in mind because would it stun you if they did that in the postseason with him? I guess not. I guess nothing not. should no, stun yeah, you. Yeah, I guess you're not. And, and I think it's overthinking things. Okay, yeah, I, so I game two against Boston last year, we laid it out: five innings, one run, seventy-six pitches. They pulled him. But look who they went to. They went to Batances. They went to Chapman. They went to Britain. Yep. If you are saying all I want is five innings out of Tanaka. You're doing that. You're at least going to your formula. Yeah. You go in instead of starting with Chad it, Green. Yeah, it makes no sense. I'm totally with you. If you are expecting five innings from him, 
and you have this loaded bullpen in the back, what's the difference if you I, I, you're still going to get to the same amount of relievers? You know what I'm saying? It's overthinking. Like, it's it. overthinking it. If he goes five and you have to bring someone in the sixth, or he goes five and he started the second, so now you have to bring someone in the seventh. What's the difference? I, I think you the, got enough guys where you're bringing them in. I, I it makes. It makes no sense. The only time I like the opener, or even if, or willing to do the opener, it's if I don't have a legitimate starting pitcher to follow it. Right. I'm not doing it with Tanaka, who's been my best postseason performer, going back to the 2015 wild card game. It's almost like they're overthinking this entire it's way thing. Overthinking it. I, listen, and I, it's hard to knock them. When, when you know what I'm saying, like when they've yeah. had the year they've had, when they've pushed all the buttons that have been just pitch perfect, it's hard for me to cry. You're overthinking it, but I I have to admit, I want Tanaka available for Game Five. I want him starting the game like he's done every other game his whole career. I'm really gonna take the option of the guy is. I don't even think they've done it this year with him at all. All of a sudden, this postseason, no. you're going to decide to bring him in in the second or third? What the hell are you thinking? Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's absolutely it's, crazy. I, I would be, I, I don't know. Part, I'm just hoping that they want to get Green one more, you know, opener under his belt or something going into the postseason because they expect him to have to do it. I don't know. But I'm, I, Tanaka has to be one or two, and he should start from the start of the game. He's a starting pitcher. He's a starting pitcher. Andy Pettit's a starting pitcher. All right. Uh, with this roster. And this yes. is a geeky question, but it's important. Do you want 13 pitchers or do you want 12 pitchers? They've run with 13 pitchers yeah. all season long. Yep. It's a best of five series. Yep. Do you want to stick with 13 or you want to go to 12? I've been, th- I was been, th- I've been thinking about this all morning and talking about it all morning um, at different times of the show. And I just can't help but say I want – the 12 pitchers, because if that 13 pitcher is in the game, I'm screwed. They <laughs> don't, they don't, it. they don't have, I mean, I go through their, I go through their roster and I get to the 10 that everyone knows, you know, you're going to throw CC on it. You're going to throw half on it. Yeah. I get to the 10 and I have no idea how I'm getting to 12, let alone how I'm getting to 13. Well, let me, let me just quickly I mean, say Sessa, Luizaga, uh, who else? I mean, Luizaga has this, the best stuff I would say right now. He throws a hundred miles an hour and at least I've seen him start a game, you know, I, but I, I have no idea where they're getting a 13. So as much as I don't know who you pinch hit for on this team, right. or, or I, I guess I'd rather have the position player. I, I really don't well, know. But I think that if you ask me what they're going to do, they've done – I think they're going to do 13. Yeah, because they've done it all year. Done here, it all year. Here are the 10 guys, by the way, that you're referring to. The three starters, Tanaka, Paxson, Severino. Yep. The uh, five relievers, Chapman, Britton, Ottavino, Canely, and Green. That gets you to eight. J-Hap and CC. I think we all assume are going to be there. That gets you to ten. Yep. And so here are your options. The yeah. names. Luis Sessa, Jonathan Loisaga, Corey Guerin, Nestor Cortez, Stephen Tarpley, Tyler Lyons. I mean, you're right. There's just I, nothing... You're gonna put you're gonna put Sessa on it. Yes, you're gonna it, put Sessa's eleven. Yeah, I agree. You're, you're gonna put Lawizaga, I think, on at the uh, twelve. Me yep, me too. And I think the thirteenth guy's a lefty, so maybe it's Tarpley. Yeah, that's that's that's. I, I would guess Tarpley. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I, I you actually, it's exactly what I was thinking. But that's a, I don't I don't need Tarpley. I don't need him. 
I'll be honest. I don't you know need what, Sessa. You know, I don't, if, if these guys are pitching, we're in trouble. Not not necessarily. I'll tell you why. If you're or, winning or a game. Or we're up by eight, by eight right, runs. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, okay. And you want to save your bullpen. So right, I think I if get, you're. There is value there. And I, I, think, I guess that's true. And I think with a guy like Tarpley, if you're using a lot of your bullpen and it's the fourth inning yeah. and you want to get Eddie Rosario out, I yeah. think that, okay, let's go to Tarpley for one batter. So I don't necessarily think that they're only getting into blowouts. Because I could see Tarpley early in a game if I'm using a million different guys to play the matchups. Now, Eddie Rosario, who's one of their better hitters, yeah. he hits lefties, too. I mean, that's the thing. Like yeah. The Twins have a lot of switch hitters. They have lefties who can hit lefties. Well, so yeah. so the, my question to you is then, how is CC used? He's obviously coming out of the All right, thing. so here's how CC and is used. Here's the... Okay, go ahead. You want me I, to tell you? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I want to take you back to I'm, a very... I'm curious, so I want to know. Thanks, thanks for letting me know before it happens. <laughs> well, I'm not telling you what they're going to do. Right. I'm telling you what I would do. Right. And, and this is very difficult for me because I have to bring you back to something that haunts me, okay? Okay. Game four, 2000 World Series. Right. Denny Nagel is starting for the <laughs> Yankees. Yeah. And right. Joe Torre, you know, waddles out to the mound right. and brings in David Cohn to yep. face Mike Piazza with two outs and I think nobody on. Mm-hmm. David Cohn had far worse a year yeah. than CC Sabathia oh, yeah. had this year. Mm-hmm. David Cohn was terrible. He'd be the first to tell you. I think his ERA was well over six. Yeah. But Joe Torre and Brian Cashman felt he's David Cohn. He can still help us. And he helped them. He came in. He got Mike Piazza to pop up. Yep. I can see Sabathia in a situation like that. You know, just get this one guy out. I trust you. We know the moment isn't going to be too big for you. Right. So I can see that. I could see uh, a scenario where, let's say, Severino starts game one, right. and he's just awful. Mm-hmm. He's just bad. Now, that doesn't mean the game is over. The Yankees are going to score a million runs against the Twins. Other than Barrios, I mean, what, you think Jake Odorizzi is going to shut right. him down? Give me a break. Right. So could I see CC coming in in a role where, you know, similar to Mike Messina years ago in that uh, winner-take-all game? Mm-hmm. against Boston, sure. Right. So I think those two scenarios could happen with CC. Just get me one guy out or, right. oh, my God, I got to go to the bullpen early. I'm basically giving you a pseudo start. Right. No, I, I completely agree. Um, um, I, and the thing I like about CC in these spots, like, because I was talking to someone and they were like, okay, maybe for the one, but if you're going to bring him in, for uh, you know an extended period of time you got to you know I don't want him coming in with bases loaded or anything like that and I completely disagree because I think the moment won't be too big for him and I trust him to throw strikes CC's not going to come in and walk people he's just not so I I, I kind of I'm one of these people I'm gl- I want him on the postseason roster I really do even if you know there were other options I think I like CC I like him to come in and throw strikes I like him to be there in the big moment and you know what I mean if you really look at it he hasn't been brutal and he gets a, gives up a lot of soft contact now to start a game especially against uh, you know a, a Twins team and an Astros team where they're just loaded with right-handed hitters. Yeah, I, I don't trust him to do that anymore. But I think in a big spot to bring in CC, I'd have full confidence that he's not going to lose it for me, that he's not going to just completely – he's not going to come in and throw gas on a fire. No, like, and, and you just hit on it, though, and it's – they don't have a lot of great options. No, they don't. So, you know, we just talked about some of the other guys that they could go to. There right. aren't a lot of great guys. And you know what? Let me throw this factoid at you. I mentioned Steven Tarpley coming in to get one lefty out, a guy like Eddie Rosario. Eddie yeah. Rosario, 0 for 7 in his career against CC Sabathia. Boom. That's How about pro- that? That's exactly it right there. That's exactly <laughs> what they're going to look for. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that's. No, that's going to be the big yeah. spot. Yeah. You that's know, what you're trying or, to find. You know, you know the. Um, 
Kepler or whatever his name is. Max uh, Kepler. Kepler. You want to hear his numbers against him? Sure. Three for nine with two home runs. So okay. let's not go there. Let's not go there. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's why I got to look at the numbers. Yeah. And you don't, you don't even have Hicks out there to make a Superman. Game. No, you don't have that. Now with the position players, yep. I, I think that you're in agreement. Urshela should play third. Didi should play short. Yes. Labor second. DJ first. Edwin DH. Absolutely. Okay. It's not even a question. If, and, well, listen, I'm a little concerned. I mean, he's not going to swing a bat until the postseason. That's that's. I'm not. Or he's not going to see live pitching. I'm, I'm a little. He's I'm Edwin Encarnacion, no, dude. Know. And that's why I still do it. I'm not even. I'm not telling you I wouldn't do it. He's the DH if he can swing a bat. Who do you have but, more confidence in? A guy who hasn't swung a bat in a million years or Luke Voigt? <laughs> no, seriously. If it's Eddie, if it's Encarnacion, then that's who it is. Edwin yeah, no, Encarnacion. There, there's no question. There's no question. He. That's why they got him here, and he's one of the premier sluggers. And you know what's funny? Because I was, it's, it's, I always joke about this and they're going to play each other. I was, I always used to joke, has Encarnacion and Cruz ever been in the same room at the same time? (laughs) Because they are literally the same player. They are the right-handed, just you know, pure power hitter who year after year, you never think of them as really one of the great players in the league, but you look at their stats and year after year, it's 35 to 42 home runs, a hundred to 110 RBIs, just like clockwork. They're amazing players. And that's exactly why they got him. And if he can lift the bat, then he's in the lineup. I agree. I'm just saying I'm a little concerned. That's no, I, listen, one thing I love about I Edwin. I wish we could have got into a couple of games here. Yeah, no, I get it. One thing I love about Edwin Encarnacion in this era of strikeouts, he is not a big strikeout guy. No, he's guy. not. He's not. Not not to the level no. of some of his teammates, no, like Judge Giancarlo and Gary, or even like right. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz yeah. will strike out 140 times a year. Right. I think Edwin's hit. I think he has struck out 100 times this year, so it hasn't been a, a great strikeout year. But just in general, he gives you a lot of battles, a lot of yeah. long at-bats. Oh, no, yeah, he's a professional hitter. He's and, just a professional hitter. And he does feel like one of those guys you can wake him up on Christmas morning mm-hmm. and say, go three for five for me. Like he's that good of a hitter. They used to say that about Moises Alou. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. And listen, even if, even if, unless Luke was like crazy hot, I still would have done this. Do you want Voight? And we barely touched on this earlier. Yeah. Do you want Voight on the playoff roster? I, 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 I can't see how you don't. I just can't see how you don't. He's been so good for this team. I know he's one for 33, but he's one of those guys that, you know, they they love everything about him. He's I think he's one of the classic like savage in the box guys for Boone. I think they love his approach. I think they love everything about him. They he's a he's a, you know, a diamond in the rough that they were able to find out, you know, find and and get for Jason Shreve for crying out loud. I mean, I just I th- he's been so good. I can't put Ford ahead of him just because he's been hotter the last two weeks. I know, I know the old Derek Jeter adage, the best teams make it and the hottest teams win. And he's the hotter hitter. I can't argue it, but I, I just, I, I don't think they will. So I'm not even going to try and wrap my mind around it. Yeah. I think right now, you know, Romine's on the roster. I mean, Romine may play depending on how they feel about Gary Sanchez. And that, that is one thing to keep in mind that could be sort of dangerous. If they're not confident in the health of Gary Sanchez, yeah. would you bring a third catcher onto your postseason roster? The problem with that mm-hmm. is that eliminates somebody, and it may eliminate Luke Voigt because you right. want Cameron Mabin on that roster, speed, defense, pinch run. Yeah. I think they'd like to have a guy like Tyler Wade on the roster for similar reasons. Right. Uh, I think bringing Higashioka with Romine and Sanchez feels like a waste, but... You know where and when are you using Luke Voigt to pinch hit? That's what you got to ask I, I, yourself. I, I know that's why I was saying the same. thing. It doesn't seem like a lot of a lot of ways. No, there's just not, and that's but 
the thing would be for me, and I, and, I, and I don't know if this is faulty thinking, but to me, if you don't put Luke Voigt on this postseason roster, you've lost him for the postseason. What would be the point of bringing him for another series? You know what I'm saying? Well, like, first of all, if you're in the I, World Series, you'll put him there. Yeah, I guess. But I just feel like you would lose him. He, he, he wouldn't play well, for he's he got to be better than that. I guess. And I just I, he's, he's meant a lot to the team. There were times in this year where he was part of the guys carrying the team. And I, I just would be very surprised. Uh, and the, at least the Higashioka thing, you could sell him. Hey, we're not sure about Gary. We need a third catcher. You're not playing that hot. We'll see you in, you know, Houston. But like, if you're going to say, hey, you know, this kid Ford who's come up and hit a couple home runs this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we like him better than you. So why don't you take, you know. Grab some pine. Hey, listen, you're free to fly with us. Hang out, you know, get the room service and everything. But, you know, you're not going to play. Like, by, by, by the way, any concern about Didi? I know he had the big three yeah, RBI I mean, double Saturday, yeah, but outside of that, hasn't no, been he's been No, he's done nothing. Uh, this, listen, anytime someone's cold like this, I'm, I'm somewhat concerned, but I'm not betting against them. And I took a couple of phone calls uh, suggesting that, you know, you could you could play a Ford or or uh, or um, avoid at first move or sh- uh, move uh, Lemayhu to second and put yep. Torres at short. Yeah. That's how bad um, Didi's been. But I'm sorry, I've seen this guy rake in the postseason. I saw him hit two ga- two home runs in Game Five against the Indians. I saw him when this team was reeling down three nothing to the Minnesota Twins. Uh, you know, of all teams in that wild card game, come out and hit a home run that completely changed that game. I'm not. I'm not, I've seen Dito, Didi do it too much. He's too much the heart of this team. I think him and Judge really are the the two like glue guys on the team. I'm not messing with Didi. He's playing you know, shortstop for me every day. He doesn't have to hit third. You know, he doesn't have to be. You know, he could hit seventh, eighth if if, if it's really gotten to a point with that for him. I have no problem with that. But he's got to be at short at the in, in the lineup. I look at it this way. Right now, you're a hundred percent right. He is starting game one. He is starting game two. Yeah. If the slump continues yeah. you know, into the postseason, you mm-hmm. can reevaluate. Absolutely. I mean, this has been a down year for DD, and he certainly mm-hmm. wasn't helped out by the fact that he missed a bunch of time right out of the gate, yep. recovering from Tommy John surgery. So I think right now he's in the lineup. I have faith in him. Because of what you said, he's had a lot of big hits for this team over the years. But if the slump continues, yeah. you've got other options. No, I, I listen. I'm willing to do that with almost anyone. I sure, think you get to that point. Like I've I've been big pounding the drum for Stanton. I, I since he's come back, he's had a couple of bad at bats. You know, I can't argue. But for me, even the takes I like, I've I've liked a lot of what I've seen. You think he's gonna Stanton. have a big postseason? I really do. I just have a weird feeling Does, on this year of. Of all these injuries, he's played 12 games. I think sometimes we think differently than athletes. And and I, I'm curious, I, I was wondering, I'm curious if coming back to a team that's won 103 games, scored all these runs, hit all these home runs, you know, I'm wondering if that kind of can take the pressure off him a little bit instead of all of us thinking, well, he's he's the big money maker. He didn't perform in the postseason last year. He's under so much pressure to perform this year. I mean, I wonder if he's thinking, hey, I'm coming to a team that's pretty damn good. And I, and all I have to do is just be myself. And, and I just I just have a feeling that he's in a good place right now, and I think he's going to come through and have a big-time postseason. Here's I, the, just, I do. Here's the weird question about this. So A-Rod's first postseason in 2004 against mm-hmm. the Minnesota Twins, he very beat good. him up. Yeah, very first good. three games against the Red Sox, 0-4 ALCS, beat him up. Mm-hmm. Yet he was defined yep. by the collapse and then subsequently defined by 05 and 06 yep. and 07. Seven. If Chapman, uh, Chapman, if Stanton has a huge division series against Minnesota, it's mm-hmm. four home runs in four right. games, yep. but then falls flat on his face against the Astros. Yep. What are we saying about him during the offseason? Uh, probably similar to A-Rod. 
probably similar. Era. <laughs> wasn't wasn't there in the big spot because no one will remember that it was a big spot at the time against the Twins. They cakewalked. I'm assuming if he hits four home runs and has a big series, they win easy. Right. And it's like, oh, you know, that that was easy. They didn't need him for that. They needed him when they were getting shut out by Cole. And where was he? I, that's totally the 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 fan reaction. Totally. So yeah, you know, he has to come through the whole postseason. But I just get a. But the the reason I brought that up was I feel that way. But if he's 0 for 8 after the first two games and, and they've lost them or, you know, after the first three games, he's, you know, 1 for 13 and looks terrible and they're down 2-1, you know, if then play Mabin. I, I, it's, it's you got to do what you got to do. So even though I feel Didi is a huge part of this team, even though I feel Stanton is really primed for some, I just have a weird feeling that Stanton's, Stanton's going to have a big did, postseason. You, you adjust as the series goes along. Now, did you want Minnesota? I mean, I understand that it's connected to finishing with the best record, but forget about Houston, forget about home field. If I right. gave you the choice mm-hmm. between Tampa, Oakland, and Minnesota, you would have preferred the Minnesota Twins? I I hate saying this because it's going to shove it right up. Yes. Just say it. Yes, I probably would. I think I I probably would. I I don't think it's a a negative that they got the Twins. I'll tell you, more more than I wanted the Twins, I didn't want the A's. I'll be honest. Something about that A's team, uh, I I just, I like that lineup. I like that team. They're, you know, I I just, I wouldn't want to, I feel like they're hot if they win that game too. I'm always a little skeptical of, you know, the idea, well, they're the wild card team. They had to throw their best pitcher in the first game. I also think there's something to be said about winning that game. Uh, I like winning that game. I feel, you know, that that's a momentum builder winning that game. So for me, I'm more than happy taking on the Twins with their pitching staff uh, and going at it. A, a team, and look, I know that it's different guys in the laundry. I understand that. But I'm sorry when it's just so all the freaking time. The Yankees never lose to these guys ever. I mean, I just ever what they win these series. If it takes a bad call by a terrible umpire down the line on a Mauer hit, if it, whatever it takes, it takes Joe Nathan being the worst closer in postseason history and a rod hitting home runs, whatever it takes, they find a way to beat the twins. And I, and I have to admit, it makes me feel better about it. It, it is crazy. It's, Since 2002, in the regular season, the New York Yankees are 86 and 35 against the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, that's incredible. That's absurd. It's absurd. They have had a winning record against them every year. They had a couple of uh, mm-hmm. pushes in 05 and 06. They split the season series. Right. Outside of that, 4 and 2 this year, 5 and 2 the year before, 4 and 2, 5 and 2, 5 and 1, 4 and 3, 5 and 2, 4 and 3, 6 and 2, 4 and 2, 7 and 0 oh in 09. You do so a they, lot of research for this. You're, you're, you're good. This at- wasn't for this. This, though I, I oh, did okay. I did this research uh, for, for your own show yeah, yeah it just a ha- I, oh, I, I thought think, it was just to talk with me I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I did it actually just to tweet it out because I right. I wanted to put numbers to the mm-hmm. dominance you right. know we we sometimes we think something and it turns right. out to be true right. but you really need to hear those numbers and I remember it was fun asking Joe saying hey Yankees and Twins have played 116 games in the regular season, whatever the number is, 111 games in the regular season. Right. How many do you think the Yankees have won? And just hearing him guess the number and then hear that it's 86 and 35, right. it's hilarious. And then we yeah. know about the playoffs. I mean, 3-1, 3-1, and 3 and 4 3-0 and 9 3-0 and 10 and then the wild card game in 2017. It's crazy. Right. I mean, down, it's yeah. crazy. Down 3 nothing. Severino on the ropes. Green has to come in and strike out the side. Didi hits the home run. It's immediate. Yep. They, didn't, they had it for about 12 minutes. 
They had that game for a half an inning. I'll give you another one. In This is easily forgotten. In 2004, they lost game one to Johan Santana at Yankee Stadium. They're down 1-0. Right. In game two, they trailed in the 12th inning. They had to come back in right. the bottom of the 12th inning. They were wow. about to go down 0-2 yeah. to the Minnesota Twins. And we talked about A-Rod. A-Rod hit the game-tying double. Yep. <laughs> they actually tie. Yeah. So, oh, A-Rod's not clutch. You're down 1-0 to the Twins. You're about to go down 2-0. He's the guy with the game-tying RBI double in the 12th inning of Game 2 of the 0-4 Divisional Series. So it just shows you that sometimes guys don't get enough credit for what they actually do. No, of do. course. Listen, we all know this. I mean, the the, the postseason is such a, a, you know, a fickle beast. I mean, and... The, it, I mean, you could look back, and and Yankee fans speak so you know fondly of the great the great runs. I mean, if and and listen, Bernie Williams hit walk off home runs. You look at Bernie Williams World Series, they're putrid. I mean, there's a lot of guys who had te- Tino Martinez had some terrible series, but he has the couple of great moments, and the Yankees won despite his f- failures, and so no one cares. But A Rod was the face of a team that continually under underperformed in the postseason. And so we'll see if the this new crop of Yankees get that because I'm telling you right now, that's how they're ju- that's how they're judged yep. to you know to be you know to have a play on word there. I mean he's even him as great as Judge you know has been, and this has even kind of been the the injury he came back from the injury wasn't that good. Now he's been you know pretty good for the last two months or so. But I mean he, he will be judged by championships. You know, 50 home run seasons ain't going to cut it. He's going to have to do it in the postseason. He's going to have to win. It's the gift and the curse of a Yankee. It's just the way it is. Only Don Mattingly seems to be immune. Yes, he's the one. He's the one. Yankees in how many? Four. I'll just give you the stereotypical they get a game. Which game? Are they going to take game one to scare the crap out of you? I have to admit, I would tell you, if you ask me which game is most likely, I would say it's game one. Yeah. Uh, I kind of feel I, that way I, too. I think, th- and it, uh, and and here's another thing. I'll I'll tell you this. I'll be totally honest with you. I, I'm not. If they lose game one, I'm not going to be scared at all. They're going to have to really be down in game two or or, or even lose game. If they I lose game if, one, I'm feeling I'm okay. This I is understand the game they got. that. This is the game they got. I think if they went down 0-2, you'd be oh, scared. Of course, obviously. No, no, it, no, that one game takes me from I'm feeling good still to I'm freaking terrified. Yeah, and I think if you're and down 2-1, you'll be scared too. If you're yeah, ever oh, no, facing oh, an elimination absolutely. game, it's no, scary. It, at any moment that they're one game away from elimination, I'm terrified. No question. But uh, I'm, what was I just going to say? Um, this is the the failure of the, the five... Uh, our show. <laughs> you're I was, I was, you're I was literally just going to make a point. Well, was about it about game one, losing game one, Minnesota, how many? That's what we were talking about. Yeah, I know. No, um, I don't think so. Well, I, I will tell you something and maybe you could rethink of it while I'm yeah, talking. Go ahead. I can, I was going to say, I can totally see Minnesota winning game one right. okay, and the now, Yankees taking the next now three. I remember what, now I remember what I was going to say. Go Thank ahead. You, that, that got me. I, this is such, and, and this is totally just weird fandom stuff that has no rhyme or reason. But this has been such a weird freaking season. Just an, uh, from from everything, with everything we talked about, the injuries, overcoming them, you know, not having to care about the last two weeks, all of it. Everything has been so, you know, even Domingo Herman. It's just every weird, yeah. every weird aspect that could happen to a team happened to this team. I I just get the feeling that there's two ways to end it. Brutal loss to the twins in the first round or win the whole damn thing. Like I just, there's something in me that I'll, for some reason, if they win this series, I'm going to feel confident going to Houston because, and again, assumptions, but I'm going to feel confident going to Houston because there's something inside me that literally says this season's so wacky 
that it's going to be glorious or horrendous. Right. No in between. There's going to be I, no in I've between. I've had this feeling, and it's tough now because now that we're at the playoffs for me to, to, to back it up with a prediction, but I've been saying for months something's going to happen that's going to keep us from Yankees-Astros. We've been right. assuming it's Yankees-Astros, yep. right. and something's going to happen. And here we are at the doorstep, yep. and I have a difficult time picking against either team. I so know. I don't know where I'm supposed to go because I think the Astros have been, and we don't know their opponent yet yeah. until the wild card game, but the Astros are one of the great regular season teams we've ever seen. They Just are. When you think about their starting pitching, when you think about their dynamic offense, it's tough to find a more well-rounded team in the history of this sport now that may sound like i'm going over the top no but but it's true i mean they, the true. top two guys in the Cy young yeah. are on their team and the third guy if he had one league would get votes in I zach ranky i know no, and then you factor in the offense, right. and oh, by the way, they don't yeah. strike out, yeah. right? I no. mean, nobody uh, strikes out uh, on that team. No. In, in a year where n- none of these pitchers going deep into games in the year with, of the opener and, and the Yankees talking about piggybacking starters and all this stuff, they have three of the best starters in baseball, It's and, and their lineup is... You know, it's great. It's great. Yeah, that, I, I would say the Yankees lineup is a little bit deeper, but I mean the the beginning to middle. I mean, it's it's as good as any lineup in baseball, the, and it's just you the know, thing I, about the Astro lineup. Why I would take them over the Yankee lineup is simply the strikeouts, and I'm yeah, so sick of I people agree. telling me strikeouts don't matter. Right. It's an unproductive out. Of course it matters. Yeah, and you got a lot of guys in that lineup led by the man who I think should win the MVP, Alex Bregman, yeah. who has struck out 80 times this year. Yeah. 80 in 2019. That's not supposed to happen. No, no, so that's a great job by him. I feel like I'm. Uh, I think overall, chickening out from yeah. thinking it won't be Yankees Astros. I, I, I think, yeah, no, I think over the long haul, I really, I am one of these people that think over the long season, uh, strikeouts don't matter as much. But in a short series, you can't argue. I mean, in a, in a postseason series, you can't be striking out all the time. You, you just you have to put the ball in play and see what happens. Uh, so I, I agree with you on that. I still, I just, I. On a healthy Yankee team, I still like seven, eight, nine a little bit better. But I, I do understand your point. So you're and picking the Yankees to win the World Series, basically, because you said if they win, the, if they beat the Twins, they're gonna, it's going to be glorious. So you are yeah. sitting here right now thinking you're going to a parade in next I, month. I, I have a really good feeling about the team. I do. I mean, I just, I really do. I, I, I there's no reason to think they're any better than the Astros. I can't tell you. I can't give you one solid reason besides the back end of the bullpen. And even there, the, the Astros, I think, are probably better than they were in 17. But uh, I, I, I just have a feeling the, it's the Yankees' year. Sometimes you just get these wacky years. And I, 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 I trust two guys. To me, the two guys who are going to be the most pivotal in the whole thing, in this whole postseason run, are going to be Paxton and Stanton. And I just have a feeling they're both going to step up. Excellent job, Chris. I appreciate oh, you doing thank this. Thank you very much. You know what? I do want to ask you one thing since we're Ask talking me. about because uh, a caller brought something up to me today. Yes. And we mentioned it earlier about the uh, about Syndergaard trading for um, Mookie Betts. Betts. Yeah. But and we were talking about how the Astros turn around pitchers and everything. Yeah. Would you trade? Or who says no to this trade? Would you trade Syndergaard for Correa? Uh Is, yes, it, yes, I would. Right. Would, yes, I would. Do you think they would? <sighs> It's a tough one. I think that's a very interesting one because I know that Joe has said Springer, bro. They're not trading George Springer. He's also a little bit older. Yeah. Carlos Correa has got the superstar upside. Yeah. But he's and injured all the time. That's been his biggest problem the last yeah. two years. He had a very difficult time staying healthy. Yeah. I would take that risk because I don't think Syndergaard's going to be here long term. And if I'm re-signing Zach Wheeler 
And now I got to make a position decision, obviously, between right. Correa and Ahmed Rosario, but I'll worry about that later. You know, that's, that's the least of my worries. Right. But push comes to shove, yes. And the reason why it could make sense for Houston is because if they lose Garrett Cole in the age of Verlander and Granke, yeah. I mean, they're going to need pitching. No, I think it makes sense for them. And let's, and the, but the main point of this is, let's be honest, how freaking good would he be on the Astros? I, I think it's I fair have, to say he'll win a Cy Young. I, I, <laughs> I just have no doubt. That, that's, that's the one thing that would hold me back from making it. No, you if, can't hold you back. Because it is what it is. They're the but Astros. I but I'm just saying, if you had to ask me which one of those two perform and which one of those two flop with their new team. I mean, it would be Syndergaard would go be amazing for them and Correa would never stay healthy. My gut reaction is to do it. Yeah. I think I thought it was a really trade trade. That is I a th- very good one. I thought that was a good one. All right. I'll bring it up to Joe. I guarantee he says no. Bro, right. I don't need this guy. <laughs> Chris, thank right. you very much. Uh, thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. Chris, Mc- Chris McMonagall. Uh, we have more podcasts this week. I'm going to do the uh, awards coming up on Monday. All the MVP, AL, Cy Young, my votes on the awards, and the big Hell in the Cell retrospective will debut Wednesday. Thanks for listening to the this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.